Hello, listeners, and welcome back to Stories in the Dark. This is season three of our spooky little podcast, and our theme this season is Monsters and Mayhem. I hope you enjoy our stories, because we certainly enjoy you. Hello, horror fans, and welcome back. Before we get started, I wanted to thank all of you for your support. We're definitely seeing more people listen to our horrible little horror stories. And I just want you to know, I appreciate you. This week's episode is called Down in the Deeps. The ocean is whispering to me again. Come sleep with me, it says, humming under the steel-gray sky, running its hands over my feet and ankles, trying to pull me back out with it. Every morning we do this, me in my ragged old sweater and gray sweats and mug of tea, it with a sparkle in its eye and the voice of a thousand drowned sailors. Come sleep in my arms, it whispers, all full of shells like knives and the soft kiss of the deep. And today, like every other day, I linger a few minutes longer, toes digging into the wet sand, the clean brine of the air helping me breathe easier. The salt makes everything clear, my dad always said, before heading out to fish in the wilds of the sea. My fingers curled around his like little shrimps, him always pulling away from me at the last minute. Take me with you, dad, I called that last time. Take me with you. He just waved and flashed his teeth under his thick beard. Anything to keep warm up here in the north. The gray north with the cold winds. That was his last trip out. He never came back to the warmth of the fire in the arms of my mother. The fresh loaf of bread she made every day cooled on the counter, then hardened, and still he did not come home. I believe he is still out there, lost, floating in his boat, fishing every day. Nothing has changed for him, except there is no warm bed, no bread, no wife but the sea. And once more, come see your father, it tries, and then I turn my back on it and head inside to get ready for the day. Never turn your back on the ocean, they say, and they're right. It's not safe, even if you're walking away from it. Even if you swore you wouldn't give it what it wants, it will still try to hold you in its arms and rock you to sleep in the deeps. Sometimes I dream of the deeps, cold and black, and I am not alone.
But I am alone here, in my cabin by the sea, adrift on a northern shore. My father is gone to his sea wife, my mother not long after. Only I remain to light the fire and tend the light that shines high up in the tower. Only I am here to keep the ships from grounding on the rocks that guard our home like teeth. I check the weather, and there is a fog coming in tonight. Hard to believe with the high winds and clear skies, but it is not on me to control the weather, only to deal with it. I wash the salt air from my hair and twist it into a heavy braid. I trade my ragged sweater for a softer one, an inside sweater, the edges raveled by my worrying fingers, and only then can I sit at the scarred wooden table with my laptop and do what I do when I'm not tending the light. The table is full of maps, but not maps anyone else is used to seeing. Tide maps, they are, that show the movement and patterns of the deep water down near the ocean floor. They tell me a story. They tell the story of the change in water, how the temperature makes the water move differently. The sea is rising here, climbing up the cliffs of my home, and the tide maps show how the warming water with cooler water mixing in changes the very ocean I've grown up with. The mixing of water means more storms. More storms mean more need for lighthouses. I take notes. I look up new maps online. And then I write my article for the day, talking about the condition of the air, the currents in the water, and what to expect near shore. I make sure to mention the fog that will start rolling down in the late afternoon, a little before the sun begins to set. I do not talk about the thing that stands out the most to me. I do not talk about the shape of the tides and how it looks like something, something huge is coming to me, closer every week, closer every day. I do not talk about my father and every other sailor and fisherman who never came home. Too experienced to just get lost at sea. Too wise to drown on a clear day. We do not know all the things that live in the deepest ocean. We have not seen the things in the trenches, the gashes, and the wide-ranging floor. And no one wants to think about them. Not even me. All I do is remind my readers not to turn their back on her. I remind them she is capricious. She can change in an instant. And the water you think you know, the water you love with your whole heart, will be more than happy to rise up and drag you down, down, down to rot at the sandy bottom. I don't say that they probably won't be alone down there. That's just crazy.
The sky tells a story, too. I check the clouds as I make my lunch. Bread and fish fried in my skillet. The bread salted and heavy. The clouds are moving fast, and I still don't see how there can be a fog in just a few hours. After lunch, I walk the island, as I always do. I like to see the birds hiding their nests where they can, the grasses with the tiny flowers at their tips, the cold sand and the jagged shells. I climb up and down the hills, walking paths worn by my feet, worn by my mother and father before me. At the top of the cliff, I look out across the water, the silver glint of the sun like scattered coins in the waves, blinding me, making my eyes water from beauty and pain. And then I see it, the thin edge of fog, miles out still, crawling towards my home. It's coming. It's a short walk to the lighthouse. I unlock it with a key that's older than I am, a key that has all the weight of ritual and law, and then I go up the winding stairs, through the office, to the room of light. I check the power. I check the fuel for the backup light. I have a clipboard on the mounting of the light, and I check off all the boxes. I sign and date it, and then I stroke the paper, remembering when I used to watch my father do the same. Every day is the same, and my eyes must still be watering from the light on the ocean because my face is wet. The light is ready, and I guess I am too. I go out the trap door to the office underneath the great light, and I sit at the old metal desk and watch the fog roll in, silent and heavy, blanketing the ocean around me, and then moving in to cover my island like a hand over your mouth. The light sweeps out over and over again. A beacon in the early night. The fog absorbs the light and diffuses it, quietly deflecting. There is no piercing this fog. The light falls into it and doesn't come back out. Witch fog, my dad used to call it. My mother would roll her eyes whenever he spoke of it, but he held my hand with his and gripped me with his watery blue stare. Witch fog will kill you, he said. Witch fog is the ocean's anger, come to drown anyone it can. Stay inside, he warned. When the witch fog comes, stay inside. I have food and a cot in the lighthouse. I plan to stay the night making sure the light is on to guide the ships away from our rocks. Stay away, the light says. There is danger here. Sail past. 
sail past safely in this treacherous fog. I eat the tinned beans and crackers and open my book, heavy and damp from the salt air, and read under the quiet hum of the ever-moving light. These are nice hours, comforting and still and so very mine. The hum of the lighthouse lulls me to sleep, and only the cessation of sound wakes me. It is dark, too dark, and the lighthouse is quiet. The lighthouse is never quiet. The power has gone out, and the backup generator has not come on. It's deadly on a night like this. Ships will not see our rocks. They will not see the great warning light. They will come too close and founder on the rocks, their great bellies breaking open, life spilling onto the sand. My heart is beating too fast in my chest. I go back up the trapdoor and switch to the old oil light, swapping out the lamps as heavy work and my arms are shaking and my hands are slick with sweat as I mount the old glass lamp, fill the reservoir with the oil, and light it up. The smell makes me dizzy, and I drop quickly into the office to clear my head for a moment before I head outside. The oil will only last a few hours. I have more, of course, but... I need to figure out why the backup generator hasn't come on. The power is flaky in strange weather, and islands always have strange weather. But the generator is an old friend, trusted and sure, and I'm worried. I have a giant flashlight, the kind with a handle, and just like the light from above, it cannot pierce the fog, only illuminate it. It looks like ghosts of orange light are hiding in the fog. They follow me as I try to find the generator, one hand on the lighthouse wall, walking around to the back. I know they are just echoes of the light, and I do not worry until I start to hear them. Come sleep with us, they say. Come down to the deeps and sleep in the silt where you belong. I trip on something. A rock? I don't know. I fall hard on the ground and for a moment, it should only be a moment, my hand falls from the wall of the lighthouse and I lose my connection to safety. The flashlight bangs against the ground and flickers but it is fine. It is old and sturdy and built to last, so the light comes back as strong as ever. Much good that it does me, for now I cannot find the wall of the lighthouse. I move a few inches in the direction I think it is, but it is not there. It or I has been swallowed by the fog. One of us is lost and gone.
I try to inch back to where I was. I stay on my hands and knees. I do not change where I am facing, but no matter which direction I move, painfully slowly, there is nothing there, and the flashlight only shows me ghosts. Come sleep, they whisper again, a susurration, an echo of an echo, as they repeat each other. Come down to the deep and sleep. Your father is down here too, they say, and my arms and legs prickle with chill, for it must be the witch fog lying to me. It must be. I stand and walk. I do not care where. I need to get away from them, from the voices. The flashlight glows orange and then red until I think the fog is on fire, but I feel no heat. Come sleep, they say, and now the voice is up against my ear and I feel the pinch of cold fingers, thin and hard like bone. We are waiting for you. I start to run. I have to run into something. The generator, the lighthouse. If I run far enough, I will reach my little cabin with its snug fire and lights that stay on and walls that keep out the fog. I cannot tell if the path is going down. I cannot tell if I am running in circles. My legs are heavy with dread and they tell me nothing. But I keep moving. I keep running until the voices are behind me and then there is only air underneath me and I am falling, falling through the air and I know the rocks are waiting to catch me and my only hope is that I miss the rocks and fall into the open water. I never hit. There is no breaking of bones. There is no heavy splash in cold water. There is only her. She reaches up and catches me, cradling me in her many arms. They are cold, but a cold with heat underneath. She wraps her arms around me and their suckers press against my skin as she sings to me. She sings me the song of the deep and she whispers in my mind. Come sleep with me, she says. And the song lulls me to sleep as her arms twine around me and drag me under the water. Come sleep in the deep. And I do, as the water closes over my head, and she takes me down the silt and the sand and the bones of everything, for we all eventually go back to the water, and now it is my turn. I sleep, and the lighthouse winks out, and there will be no one left to tend it when the storms come. The storms are coming, you know, and so is she, and some piece of me will always be with her, down in the deeps where the dead things go.